Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time to step inside the Octagon with your host, Ike Feldman. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Ike Feldman from the Octagon. I K E I T A G O N Octagon.com. At Octagon Everything Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Um, what else? TikTok. TikTok is the new one. Before I get into our wonderful episode with guest Annie Sukoff at A N D Y underscore S U E K O F F and the other guest at Harry Mack at BB Harry Mack. Before I'm being joined by the wonderful local media members, and we discuss the biggest stories and results and takeaways from UFC 273, which just happened yesterday. I just want to tell you guys that I made a TikTok. I made two posts. One was taken down. The other was not. And I think I got one like so far. So one for one. Let's go. Efficient, baby. But I was sold on making a TikTok. If you guys have been following along Aljermaine Sterling's social media, a wonderful person by the name of Jake Fine at Jake Fine Martial Arts, who is a martial artist himself, but more prominent is a young, talented media member who has an eye of the tiger. No, he has an excellent eye, like a UFC embedded eye, even better. He's young. I think he's like 21, 22 years old. Very talented the way he captures and films Aljo's camps, Manimal, John Beneducci's uh, documentary. Jake Fine does it all. When I was at Sarah's BJJ, I think it was about a week and a half ago, he was there filming Aljo in the last leg of his training camp before the weight cut started to just deplete him. And then Caitlin Chukagian, blonde fighter, was also in the gym that day, and Jake Fine was interviewing her. And uh, I got to talk with Jake Gave him my elevator pitch about who I am, what I do. And um, he says, yeah, bro, got to make a TikTok. You know, can't get the those click clocks if you ain't making that TikTok. So I was like, dude, I don't know what you just said, but I'm sold. So Jake, fine. I made a TikTok. I followed your guidance. And now I am 
more of a social media addict. So thank you, brother. Forget about that. Forget about TikTok. Let's get into everything. UFC 273 with Andy Sukoff and Harry Mack. Enjoy. It's time to step inside the Octagon with your host, Ike Feldman. For the winner, by split decision, and now, the undisputed UFC bantamweight champion of the world, Algerman Hawkmaster! Thank you, Bruce Buffer. Thank you, UFC, for putting on an amazing show. And thank you, Al Jermaine Funk Master Sterling, for showing up and representing Strong Island, New York, baby. Oh, my goodness. I had two friends over watching the fights a year ago at UFC 259. Both haters, both commenting with the wave of trolls on social media. I was able to convert one of them pre-fight. I said, this is your last chance to be an Algermain fan to represent somebody who grew up 30 minutes front of us. Come on, Eric. Yes, I'm calling him out. He says, no, Team Russia all the way. I go, get the hell out of my house. Give me my pizza money. I'll see you later because I am being joined by Andy Sukoff at Andy underscore S-U-E-K-O-F-F. And of course, the bookies basement at BB Harry Mac, the Harry Mac daddy. Guys, I really appreciate the time. What's going on, boys? We're in the gallery view. So let's see uh, everybody's wonderful setup. Andy looks like he's been working 24 hours straight, which is not far from the truth. Harry looks like he made a bunch of money, which is very true. What's up? <laughs> That's right. How are we doing? How are we doing, brother? Thank you. Uh, thank you for having us on. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Definitely glad to be here. So, guys, what was, uh, as you heard that, and <laughs> I was like, Bruce Buffer, the undisputed, new, and you could see both of the Jan and Sterling's faces, like, did we win? Did we not win? Uh, it was the same with me. I, I have to admit, I did make the prayer symbols. I was looking up. Let's go, come on. What do we got? What do we got? So <laughs> happy. So happy we got the win. What was your guys' first reactions last night? Oh man, dude. I, I mean, I was, I was in the same boat, heart fucking pounding through my chest. You know what I mean? I'm standing up in front of the TV, like a maniac. You got your mortgage on it though. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they, you know, they, they announced Aljo first. I'm like, Oh great. We got a fucking split. Awesome. That's great. Fucking Florida judging. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Jan gets the next card. And I, I guess I'll preface this with, I had it one, two, three Aljo. I, I didn't give Aljo a 10-8 in the second, but I absolutely think there's a very valid argument for it. But I had rounds one, two, and three for Aljo, four, five for Jan. So that was my scorecard. So I was I, I had no idea how it was going to go. I, I would be 100% lying if I said I was confident the decision was coming. Like, you know, that was my card, but you, you can never trust these judges these days to, to actually get it right. But um, yeah, then they, they, they let it rip and Man, I, I mean, like you said, elated, dude, through the moon. Uh, nobody deserves it more than Aljo does. It, it makes me very happy to see this victory lap he's taken right now. Well, well-deserved. Took so much shit for something that was not his fault and came out and just implemented a perfect game plan. Absolutely perfect game plan. I think people are going to have their complaints that that is what it is. I don't, I don't really give a shit. 
he, he certainly shouldn't give a shit. You know what I mean? He, he came in and did exactly what he had to do to uh, something a lot of people thought there was no way that he could do. And, and he did it, man. And, and he is now the, the champ, the undisputed champion of the fucking world. Long yeah, Island I, zone. 100%. Yeah, I, and we'll get uh, to the judging. I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, Andy, what was your initial thoughts? So I, I actually had Jan winning the fight. I, I thought <gasps> Jan won the, I thought Jan won the first round. Wow. I, I, this might've just been, I, I even know if it's five thirty in the morning might've been like in those moments of doing one of these that maybe I missed something in the first round, but it didn't seem like a lot was happening, but what was, it was Jan dictating it. Definitely had Aljo winning two and three and Jan four and five. I would have easily seen a 10-8 in one of those rounds and seeing a 47-47 draw would, would not have been shocked by that. And I was almost kind of expecting that. But what obviously once they announced certainly I was like, good. I'd rather that. <laughs> and now, boys, are we getting the trilogy? Absolutely. I, I, I think it's, I mean, the TJ Dillashaw fight, right? Does TJ have to fight anybody next or is it, is he, is he? No, because he's technically coming off a win in that Sandhagen fight. That was like a number one contender fight. Although I, I personally think Corey won that fight. But, um, you know, Corey, Corey got, Corey. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, yeah, Corey, Corey got his shot. But, um, uh, yeah, it sounds like Dana was saying it's TJ next. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Obviously, former champion. Uh, I think the hype is going to be great. You see TJ already giving the finger uh, to the camera. Uh, Pillashaw, actually, that Aljo uh, the hater who I was watching with actually had to find that funny TJ Pillashaw. Uh, so I think it's the proof is in the pudding already. That's going to be a phenomenal promotional fight. Uh, but well, so the first round, yeah, uh, Andy, how why were you scoring it for Jan? Was it the uh, again? I'm watching with the, a Jan fan as well. He goes, Oh, he, he cage control, man, octagon control. He had Aljo against the fence, and I was like, Well, did Aljo land more kicks? And well, oh, an octagon control also doesn't score unless damage yeah, is a hundred percent equal. That's the it, only time control really scores, or that's how it's it, supposed to be, even though right? judges don't actually fucking do it that way. And like I said, it, it didn't seem like really anything was happening in that first round. And I mean, they, they even said on the broadcast, like really nothing went on. But like I said, what, what, I, what it seemed like when the action was happening in that round, it was Jan dictating it more so than Aljo. That's okay. that yeah, that kind of I kind of thought the opposite, actually. So I thought Aljo did a really good job. Like He was fighting off his back foot, but he controlled the range. I think Aljo controlled where the exchanges were taking place for the most part. Because you could see Jan, Aljo would slip out at the end of those combos. Jan would get, he, you could kind of see visible frustration at points. And then he'd have to reset, kind of start his whole approach over, walk Aljo down. A lot of lateral movement from Aljo. He made it very tough to pin him down up against the cage or anything like that. So I get, I get the optics of it. You're fighting off your back foot. It's always going to look that way. But I, I, I thought Aljo actually did a really good job controlling range. If, if and that, that, a, go ahead. Sorry. Like, that, like to your point, like where you, I forgot who tweeted it last night. I think it was Bilal Muhammad who said, you know, Jan's fighting angry. Aljo's fighting with brains. We saw that in rounds two and three where, where Aljo really took control and where you could have seen that 10-8 round where he was fighting a lot smarter and using, using Jan's rage against him. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. As soon as he got him to the floor, it was like, oh, my gosh, like this is what he was trying to do in the first fight. But yeah, in that first round, if if this is a dance that is being scored by how many uh, how much damage like Jan's controlling the dance, but Aljo stepping on the toes of Jan, if that makes sense, like uh, Jan's controlling the dance, but Aljo's landing more damage. And even if the strikes were 12 to eight, 
it's like a lot of people i, I was kind of like educating the guys i'm watching i'm like yeah it's supposed to be damage it's like maybe he landed 12 strikes uh, it really bit yon in the ass to take that round off to download uh but yeah Alpha yeah with the takedown man that was Woo! Uh, I, no 10-8, no 10-8, Terry? You said, uh, is that true? I personally, I didn't I didn't score at a 10-8, but I absolutely see the argument. I, I, I think I would have had to have seen a little bit more damage from Aljo to, to really feel comfortable giving a 10-8 myself. But, I mean, listen, he he dominated the round. He did. He, he controlled him, what was it, I think, uh, three and a half, four minutes out of the round. Like, yes. the, the vast majority of it. And he was doing damage, too. He was, he was getting off some good ground and pounding the second. So, if, if there was a 10-8 round, that was definitely the one. Again, we're being joined by at BB Harry Mack and at Andy underscore Sukov. Uh, so, Andy, how, how do you see the uh, the Aljo fight going with TJ Dillashaw? Honestly, I don't know. I want to I want to see that. Want to see how they look in their in their fight camps. I would like I would like to think that Aljo can handle TJ no problem. But we we've, we've seen TJ take down some of the best of the best in in that division. I thought. I thought he beat Dominic Cruz. I know now I'm going back a hundred years ago at this point, but I, <laughs> I think, I think he beat Dominic Cruz in Boston that night. So he's beaten the upper echelon of people. He was champion for quite a while. You know, he's making his way back into title contendership after suspension. So he's, he definitely has that, that pedigree. And now we've seen that Aljo can beat the best of the best as well. Beats Peter Jan. Can he beat Dillashaw? I believe he can but definitely want to see how everybody comes out of the camps before I make that, before I make those predictions. Are you okay with the, the curses? Like, do you have the, the, and there's nothing wrong. The, the virgin ears that it's like, you, you have to cover up yours because TJ is going to curse Aljo. We heard him in the post fight. Like at first <laughs> I was like, all right, man, this is the classy samurai martial artist. He's like, motherfuck you. Motherfuck. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. I was like, you know what? Lean into it. Aljo. I go, you deserve it. Uh, are you okay with the, I mean, Covington's opened the door, kicked it off the hinges. Like, it, are we okay with the age we're in? You, you can kill yeah, everybody. Man. You can curse out everybody. Is that, is that how it Look, is? I think anytime you're allowing fighters to show personality and be, be relatable and kind of just be human beings. I think that's a good thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I said fuck to my parents for the first time when I was eight years old. So I couldn't care less. <laughs> Fantastic. And what do you guys make of the Henry Cejudo is back in the pool? He put a toenail in the pool. Oh, uh, bullshit. Kind of testing pool. Oh, you don't believe it. You think it's just. Uh, no, no. I think he's just. Uh, yeah, I think Henry's just being Henry. But I mean, who knows if, if he comes back? I would love to see a fight between him and Aljo. That was something they were talking about for uh, a while when Aljo was uh, owed a title shot by the UFC and just kind of passed over for a little bit a few years ago. But um. Yeah, man. I don't know. I would, you know, I would definitely like to see it, but I don't buy that he's like actually coming back. Did you guys catch any of Ray Longo screaming? Aljo, you look at fucking Jan. Look at him right now. Look at this motherfucker. Okay, it was something like that. I I, like the first time I never listened to it again. I was like, this is like vintage Ray Longo. Did you guys was coming off the screen? Obviously, with you, but what about you? You felt yeah, it? No, you, you, you could hear it. And I, I'm, I'm basically hearing like the Sopranos in my head as he's, <laughs> as he's yelling at Aljo. I, 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 I can just picture James Gandolfini making rest in peace doing the exact same thing. <laughs> that would have been a great uh, uh, biopic or, or something. James Gandolfini playing Ray Longo. Who would have played Matt Sarah? Hmm. Come on. That's a tough one. Yeah. 
Who would have played Chris Wyman? Can we figure that out? Someone, someone large. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the guy who played Jackie April Jr. put on like 50 pounds of muscle, he might have been able to do it. He, he looks like him a little bit. Jackie who? <laughs> uh, did, did you watch The Sopranos? Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Jackie April Jr., the, the, uh, the first boss's son. The one who was uh was dating Meadow like in season four and then and then got whacked. Jeez, dating Meadow. I mean, she had a couple of boyfriends. That's that's yeah. huge. Did you just watch The Sopranos? Uh, that's not fair. Within, within the last few months, yes. Oh. That's a yeah. That's a deep cut reference. <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut. I was like, what? I go. I just remember. Uh, I don't remember the actor's name. Where Tony's shooting him on his porch, the diner scene. Like, there's images. Yeah. I haven't seen it since what was it? Oh six, oh seven, something like that. Something like that. A long time. Uh, it, it, it's on HBO Max, so I, I I barreled through it over the course of like a couple months. Have you guys seen Moon Knight at all? Is that yes? Yeah, yeah, dude. I out like of it, nowhere, man. out of freaking nowhere, and I'm like, dude, uh, Moon Knight rules. Moon Knight absolutely rules. I don't know if either of you like got, like are into like comics, read comics, but there's a there's a Moon Knight run written by Jeff Lemire that is like one of one of my favorite runs of any comic ever. Very very good fun. Recommend it. And the show has been like pulling from it a good amount, which is very fun to see. I was so casual. Do was a uh, Cartoon Network, the late night show. Was it a Ghost Knight or something? You guys remember that guy? Uh, Space Ghost. Space. Yes. Ghost. Yes. That's who I yes. thought this guy was. <laughs> 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 like space goes man i was like you really took a dark turn uh, uh one more uh comic book reference you guys see the batman yet thoughts if yep. so strong very good all good um i i wish knew going into it that it was a uh, young batman i didn't know that it was year one or year yeah two. i had read that somewhere it's like a more like an origin batman yeah. but, but that was kind of cool it was kind of cool to see like a different take on the character yeah, it makes sense too. Like if he's in year one or 18, 24 months, like he would be exhausted. He would be nocturnal, not care about daylight. Like I, um, Jason Burgos, who was supposed to join us, uh, we would have ripped him. He didn't like it. He liked the Nolan Batman. He thought it was cleaner, like the Inception kind of clean cut Batman. I like the gritty Gotham. This was, it was very yeah. dark, depressive. I know we didn't get much maybe dialogue wise out of Pattinson, but I think the, the facial expressions at the funeral when he's like just staring at Catwoman, I thought it was like, you got to crush it. it. Like I, I am vengeance is a great line. Yeah. That's tremendous. I missed it. What'd you say? When, when he goes, I am vengeance, like oh. right at the beginning. Did you notice that the, the first scene did steal from the dark Knight when like in, in the beginning of the dark, like, no dude, we're not making deals tonight. The bat signals out. Uh, they, <laughs> they, did, they played homage a couple of times, a couple of the, um, the Selena Kyle, whenever she was on screen, they did the eerie, scratchy, like violins, very similar to the Michelle. Was it Michelle Pfeiffer from 92? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the homages, but this one was Jeffrey Wright was phenomenal. I've been trying to reach you. Paul Dano was great. And Dude, I, I had no idea. Joker scene out. I had no idea it was Colin Farrell. I like refused to believe that until I looked up the <laughs> cast. Is, Dude, he crushed it. And it, I mean, the I, I can't imagine. Like, I, apparently he wore like a facial like prosthesis, like a full fake face. Because I was like, that's, that's not Colin Farrell. I know what that guy looks like. That's not what he looks like. 
100 yeah. and, and i'm sure you enjoyed the process like you literally just have to eat pizza and ice cream to get in the role <laughs> like his wife's like what are you doing he's like i'm getting in my role get me some more chicken <laughs> heroes it was so he, funny he, he did it he did an episode of hot ones this season with sean evans and they were like it was it coincided with the release of the batman and they were t- and they were talking about it and i think he said that you had like to to do the prosthesis i think it was like four hours in the chair per time like that's, that's wild the the funniest thing I saw, like they did, like maybe it was vanity or some like uh, prestigious or bougie or uh, elite uh, outlet. When they show like the career trajectories, like they'll show like uh, Brian Cranston, his career, or William Defoe. Like I got them all watched later. Uh, they did a sit down interview with Colin Farrell and he's like, yeah, I actually Matthew Reeves gave me so much uh, flexibility in the character. And then you hear, hey, sweetheart, grab on these. It does. I was <laughs> and you, you see like this delicate, uh, articulate um, uh, Colin Farrell. And then you just see the, the, the character. He leaned into it. Oh, man. Uh, John Turturro was phenomenal. Yeah. Do we yeah. want to see a sequel or do we like this as a uh, a one off just like the Joker? And it's just a piece of movie lore. Like, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I, I think we'll wind up getting another one. <sighs> Feels like there's too much money on the table <sighs> not to. That's what it yeah, really I, comes down to. Yeah, I, I agree. And with the with the Joker scene at the end, like they they kind of tease that that second one's coming where he and the Riddler are gonna team up. They're gonna break out of Arkham. And right. They left a lot of doors stuff. open. Bingo, bingo, bingo. All right. Well, we got two more doors to open. Alexander Volkanovsky or, or Chamayev. What do you guys want to address first? Uh, dealer's choice. Your call. Um, I, I think Volkanovsky's performance stands out more. Than me. It's like, yeah, he's a killer. Uh, Hamzat showed that he's ready for war. One of the show is stand up. He's obviously a legitimate top five in the welterweight, one of the deepest divisions. But Volkanovsky putting on a master's class uh, clinic or a seminar, as Joe Rogan said, everybody goes crazy <laughs> over that word seminar. I go like everybody's like, I couldn't sum it up any better. I'm like, yes, yes. Rogan nailed it. That's his job. Alexander <laughs> Volkanovsky, one of the greatest champions in the sport. Is he the greatest featherweight champion of all time? Uh, it's getting it's getting to a point where it's going to be a debate. I mean, I I've personally would still say Aldo for now, but mm. like, I don't know, man. Volkanovski, he's looked untouchable in his last few fights, man. Like, I know there was that third round against Ortega, but, you know, he got he, he was in danger. Then he wasn't. Uh, I don't know, though, man. I I mean, yeah, Volk's, Volk's performance was really fucking impressive. I mean, Zombie, maybe a little bit diminished from, from, you know, his true prime, but still an incredibly game opponent, still a top five featherweight in the world. Um, and Volk just beat the brakes off him, man. Volk, Volk blew his doors off. I mean, those striking numbers, I think it was like 120 to 40-something significant strikes. It was, uh, it was a wild, wild disparity. Um, I will say I, I liked the stoppage from, from Herb Dean. That was a good stoppage. It, we, we didn't really need to see any more of that. You got to save that guy from himself sometimes. So the, 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 standing, the, the standing stoppage, rare in MMA, but warranted in this case. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And like, I, I, I would still say Aldo is the greatest featherweight champion. I would agree there, but it's, it's getting close to where, you know, he wins a couple more. There's going to be that real, there's going to be that real talk. And I, 
Andy, are we ignoring and Harry uh, jump in after Andy? Are we ignoring the fact that they did a head to head matchup UFC 237 in Brazil? Yeah, 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 <laughs> that's fair. But I don't know. You know what I mean? That, I, that doesn't necessarily determine who the greater champion is when you're looking at the, the sum of the parts as a whole, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Fair, fair, but then when you see how, I mean, this is the MMA math thing, you see how Holloway did twice against Aldo, you see how Volkanovski did twice against Holloway. Uh, yeah, they weren't blowouts, but, oh, man, he, he's phenomenal. He moves like a bantamweight, hits like a lightweight. The dude is just on a rise. What's next for him? Is it uh, is it Max? Is it, or would you like to see him test the waters at? I don't know, bantamweight or lightweight. I don't think you can make bantamweight, but what are your thoughts about what's next? Take it up, take it away. Andy. That's a good question, man. It's a good question. I I think they wind up doing Max next. I think that, you know, that was supposed to be this fight. Max got hurt in training camp, had to pull out. So I, I would assume that's the fight that comes next. But yeah, he's in a weird spot where like, you know, him and Max have kind of lapped the field. And if he goes out and he beats Max a third time, then... I don't really know what's left for him at featherweight. You know what I mean? And the problem is I think he'd be real small for 55, just, just height wise. You know what I mean? He's, and he's, he usually has a height disadvantage anyway, but I don't know, man. It's a really tough question to answer. I mean, maybe a feather, maybe Arnold Allen can, can come up with some big wins and be an interesting contender. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm not sure who, who that guy who will kind of separate themselves from the field is. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement there. Like, like Max is a, logistical choice but you know if he goes up to 155 that weight class is incredibly deep and there's already like five or six people that should have or will be getting title shots within the next year or two so to throw Volkanovski in there you know you would think that he would get up you'd be up in the top pretty quick you know now you're talking seven or eight people who have who have legitimate claims to the 155 title what's more intriguing Andy Volkanovski, Gaethje, saying Gaethje went, yes, I'm picking Gaethje. Volkanovski, <laughs> Gaethje, or Volkanovski, Cejudo? Mm, I would go Gaethje. I feel like that fight would be a ton of fun to watch. Wow. That would probably be, be a war. That would, yes. I think Oliveira would just tower over him. That'd be huge. Like, See, well, that's the thing. I think most of these guys are going to tower over him. Yeah, at 55 no, at least. Max is pretty tall. Yeah, but um, I would I would like to see I would honestly like to see that Cejudo fight. I'd be interested to see what Cejudo because I think I think Volk is basically the only guy Cejudo can come up to forty five and fight because of his height <laughs> and his size. So this is like his only chance to be like, yeah, fuck it, let's do the triple champion. Yeah. Thing. So yeah. that that would be compelling to me, and that would be new and interesting at least, you know. Because listen, I know he's the king of cringe, whatever. I don't like the shtick at all, but <laughs> you watch him in the cage, he's incredible. You know what I mean? Henry Cejudo is an incredible fighter, even if he might be a little past his prime at this point. But I, I would be, I would like to see that. And what were you saying something, Andy? I, I was in agreement. Like that, that's a fair point. You know, Cejudo, you know, would because Cejudo's like two foot three, so he's got a. It's it's nice when at me at five seven I can I can look at Henry Sue and be like I'm still taller than you even though you can kick my ass. <laughs> Dude, Connor says five nine. I think he's like five seven. So yeah, yeah. no, no way. 
He could walk on his arms now too. I, I think he just <laughs> just does uh, pull-ups and everything. But again, we're being joined by at Andy underscore Sukov and at BB Harry Mack. Last but not least, of course, uh, not least, this guy, um, Brendan Schaub on his podcast, he says the UFC 273 poster should have just been Hamzat's beard and then uh, a bunch of the, the five other guys mixed it in the beard to, to fill out the bill. <laughs> Man, uh, Harry, how was the uh, how was the lines looking? I, I feel like everybody was expecting another stoppage, a submission over freaking Gilbert Burns, a world jujitsu champion. Uh, in my write up before the fight, I said this will be a war. This will be a decision. Uh, I, I wasn't sure I went with Hamzad probably because of the hype and all the momentum, but I, I was not sure. But I did know it would be a war and it would go to decision. Uh, how were the lines looking and how'd you play this one? Yeah, man. I mean, the lines were wide. It was wide. So I, I took a stat. I took a little sprinkle on Gilbert. Nothing, nothing too big, but I thought it was, I thought it was worth playing. You know what I mean? The easily the hardest test of Hamzat's career as, as we saw. And, you know, he won that fight by the skin of his teeth, that third round, what, you know, that, that goes a little differently at the end there. That could be Gilbert's fight or Gilbert could have finished him in the second. He came close. So you know, I'm I'm perfectly okay taking on the 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 other side of that every time. I, I think it was a, a wild play to to play Hamzat at like minus 500. But the only other thing I played was a minus 160 fight to leave round one. So fight to complete one round was minus 160, which felt like phenomenal value to make. That's pretty good. What about you, Andy? Yeah, are you like me? And maybe you'll talk about betting, talk about lines, but you won't put too much shekels on. Uh... <laughs> I like I I could, I could talk about it. I I wish I could put down hundreds of dollars on it, but like I'll do like five bucks here, ten bucks there. I just didn't have any money in my account, but I I also would have put down on Burns at what he was getting. Like you know, as such a huge underdog, and given that given his ranking and who he's fought and beaten, like Hamza hasn't hadn't fought a guy like that yet. So I figured Burns was gonna really give him for a run for his money, which he did, and. I, if there was a, if there was like a fourth and fifth round, I think Burns might've been able to take that. Yeah. Yeah. You would hope he would catch that second win, but uh, I want to start with you, Andy. What do we got next for uh, Hamzat? You know, we, if you look at the, the top of the welterweight division, uh, look at the, uh, the schedule, uh, you got Edwards, Usman two, which is booked. Covington just coming off a fight. Usman, obviously, I mean, uh, Hamzat really hot off his fight. Is the Covington Hamzat just there or would the UFC jump the queue with Hamzat, put him in the title fight, whether it's Edwards or Usman? What, what are your thoughts on scheduling and who would you like to see next for Hamzat? I, I think he should get one more top five fight before getting the title. Like, yes, he did just beat the number two guy, but you know, you want to see like, I don't want to say he wasn't a fluke because it clearly wasn't. He Hamzat's an incredible fighter, but I'd like to see what he does against another top five person who might have a different style than Gilbert Burns. So may, maybe you do make that Colby fight first and then see how that, and then see how Usman Edwards goes before putting Hamzad up there. And what about you, Harry? Are you going Covington? Are you worried that the uh, Covington might uh, do what he does to everybody? Just wear out everybody not named Usman. And then you, you lose that mystique of that, that undefeated uh Chechnyan just the and you kind of lose the shine on making that undefeated fighter for the belt what are your thoughts see I honestly don't think that Colby poses a huge threat to Hamzad I think that his style I think that is stylistically a plus matchup for Hamzad and look Colby I mean Hamzad took bombs from Gilbert last night I mean he was throwing 
shots. And Colby, ph- phenomenal wrestler, absolutely. He doesn't have power in his hands. He does not carry power in his strikes. He doesn't. He just doesn't. And I don't, I don't think that he is a threat to Hamzad in the striking at all. And I think Hamzad has enough to negate his wrestling. I think that would be a plus matchup for Hamzad. But um, I, I mean, I hope they make that fight just because I'm a Leon guy. And I think Leon Edwards deserves his fucking title shot. And I'm glad he's finally getting it. It's long overdue. So I'm just glad we're, we're finally getting that fight. But I actually do think that that performance last night, one of, something that I thought after watching that is that I think Leon would also beat Hamzad. Wow. Wow. Why? Uh, you, but you I'm also, I'm picking Leon over team. Usman. I think Leon's going to beat, I think Leon's going to beat Kamaru Usman. That's bold. I, I think that they have, I mean, both obviously have evolved a lot in their fights, but I think Leon has basically the perfect style to fight Kamaru Usman right now. Interesting. Very good in the clinch. Very good with those elbows off the break and throwing big strikes off of grappling exchanges. And he's got plus takedown defense. I, I think Leon's going to be the guy to do it. And I also just think Usman's getting older and that knee is kind of starting to catch up that, to him. That might be a plus 180, right? Is it out yet? Uh, it's it's got to be out somewhere. Let me let me take a look. But Steve, yeah, I think Leon's definitely Leon's definitely the dog. Well, yeah. What? Oh, man. I didn't even think about if uh, Usman was to lose that fight. Do they do the trilogy fight? They'd have to. Yeah, they yeah they have to. Back to back. Usman's been champion for as long as he has. Like you would think he would get the immediate titles to the rematch. That's true too. That's yeah. True too. Yeah. For that caveat. Um. Yeah, Covington. Uh, Leon plus two twenty. Usman minus two sixty. Are we gonna get a wrestling? What What was it? Uh, Usman minus two sixty. Leon plus two twenty. 220. There you go, man. I think that's going to shrink. I think people are going to see what you see. Vegas will see the, um, yeah, I mean, I think Usman has to like piece everything together. He's kind of like Frankenstein. I've seen this long, uh, warmups, how much he puts into just getting his body hot to be at full speed. It takes him a lot at this age. Ah, oh, I think there's Vegas, a lot of miles, man. A lot of miles on that body. He doesn't run anymore. He's just doing the elliptical and like the, the Harvard road it, team machine, like whatever. That his is. knee is apparently just like bone on bone at this point. Ah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's a great champion, great champion, but um, good, good number to jump on nowadays. But with yeah. uh, Hamza, Hamza and Colby, uh, Andy, are we getting a, a wrestling match? We're getting an Abu Dhabi classic trial wrestling match. Are we going to get the, the two grapplers cancel each other? And now we got the slugfest. I, I'd like to, I'd like to see the slugfest. <laughs> now can that sell a pay-per-view as the headliner? And then we do like Valentina underneath it. Uh, uh, Amanda, uh, underneath it like can Hamzat and Colby sell it alone or are they going to be like a co-main five round non-title fight like where do you see the UFC uh you got two stars essentially where do you think the UFC would put that fight on a pay-per-view card uh, I would depending on where you do it like if you do that like in, in like maybe like in the south like in like Texas or Florida you might be able to you might be able to put that <laughs> as as a main event because you'll you'll have the the pro Colby probably very much into it. Like you do that internationally, I would I, unless you did it like in Sweden, I would say like a five round co-main. Wow, wow, okay, okay. It's yeah, it's hard to gauge. I really didn't think Hamza was that big of a star, but 
you got a million followers on Instagram, like following the the Reese McKee beatdown. Dude, like, his his fight was doing like two x three x the socials of like the co-main and the main event for the UFC this week on like YouTube and and social engagement and all that. It's crazy, man. Is he more talented than Patty and O'Malley? Is that Patty? Absolutely. O'Malley, yet to be seen. Got you, got you. And uh, all right, guys, any uh, side notes from the event? I know there was some uh, excellent back and forth fight. Big win by Dern, big win by Madsen. Uh, Mickey Gall, my goodness, who saw that fight? Uh, that was, yeah, yeah. Any other takeaways for you guys? And I really appreciate the time. Uh, good on Dana White for uh, donating that 10 grand to Malat's coach's daughter. It's true. What about you, Harry? Uh, more funk. More funk. Yes. We got the funk. Not Andy. <laughs> got to get that funk. Not Andy. Andy, come on, man. And I said this to my friend. I was like, I was like, would you say this to Aljo's face that you picked against him? He goes, 100%. 100%. Now he was a cup of tequila and a couple of slices of pizza deep. <laughs> Maybe the pepperoni was talking, but. <laughs> Oh man! What, what like, would like I, said, I, I was I was pulling for Aljo. I, like I said, I I just thought Jan won the fight. I I'd be a, like I would say I would still be respectful, say congratulations to him because you know it's the respectful thing to do. Okay, <laughs> save face because I'm man. I'm I'm passing out those forms that Aljo put on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. <laughs> that was gold. That was real good. He's handling it well. Good for him, man. It's uh it's amazing. But guys, I really appreciate the time at Andy underscore Sukov. Harry Mack at BB Harry Mack guys. I really appreciate the time. And, uh, as always, I don't know. I don't know. I need a catchphrase at this point. Does anybody have a <laughs> <I'm> vengeance? I <laughs> uh, appreciate you, man. My, my pleasure yeah, as always. Yeah, Later, th boys. Th thanks for having us. Peace, man. Those dudes are cool, fun, relaxing. Harry brought the energy. This is a Sunday night recording. I'm kind of laid back. The dust has settled. It was a lot of energy and buildup and anxiety leading up to this card, especially with Aljo. Every card brings a, a sense of uh, heightened Ike, but especially when it's a local guy, a guy that you get to see more often than other fighters that I don't know, you kind of it's like you grew up under the same sun so you you feel that you can relate a lot more to them and for Aljo for team Saralanga to get the huge win just was awesome and Harry still he's still riding high I, I hope he made some money it sounded like he made some money from last night and of course Andy's exhausted I, I appreciate him giving me some time after he's worked many long days and uh, for him to give me some of his time was very much appreciated. Andy, Harry, Harry, Andy, thank you guys. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this recap of UFC 273 from your boy, the Ike Feldman from theikedecon.com. More to come. Kind of been off the recording side of things because I just completed the gray area TGA, TGA featuring Justin Montavo it was an amazing experience not the editing 
So everything was really fun and uh, really cool. And I really poured my heart into this project. It's my first official documentary in my senior project in college. I documented head injuries in combat sports and uh, football. And that was fun. That was maybe like a 20-minute project. This, 30 minutes, more heart, more energy, uh, no uh, less sleepless nights, less alcoholism and uh, just uh, scatterbrained all over and uh, not having a, uh, a grasp of my schedule. This was a lot more constructed, calculated, and uh, I really think it shows in the presentation. So the link is in the bio. It's the most recent video in the, uh, the Iktagon bio. Or it won't be because once I upload this, this will be the most recent. But check it out, guys. The Gray Area featuring Justin Montavo capturing the lead up to his Bellator 274 fight against Corey Samuels. Uh, it was about six weeks in the lead up. So I hope you enjoy it. I, of course, enjoyed the process of uh, stalking him in his car. He didn't know I did this documentary, actually. It was, uh, it was, uh, I'm happy that my uh, my stalking skills and, you know, when they say, hey, do you follow me on social media? I'm like, no, I like to follow you in real life. So it really paid off. He doesn't know the documentary happened. Uh, I was a fly on the wall, literally just just discreet. You would never know I was around. And, uh, yeah, the project worked out. So I think you guys will like it. Thank you and goodbye. Well, peace. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, what do you call it? How do you uh, close out episode? Maybe I'll just close it with my dog. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.